You're listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net. And thanks for joining us. Good morning, Grace. Good to see you all this morning. I think it looks like there's more people here than there was last week, which I love. Uh, For those of you I haven't got a chance to meet, my name is Sean. I'm one of the elders and one of the preachers, and uh, I'm glad you're here. If you're joining us online, thanks for being with us. Um, It's going to be a good morning. Before we get into our sermon, though, um, I want to talk about yesterday, because yesterday was 9-11, September 11th. This was a uh, very significant day in our nation's history, but really in the history of, of the world, really, because that day... Um, changed some things about our country forever, really. Um, 9-11 was the most, uh, the deadliest terrorist attack in human history. There was some 2,977 fatalities that day. Uh, Over 25,000 people were injured, some of them significantly. And the effects of that, again, in our community, in our lives, and some of us even personally, that, that continues to be something that's felt by many, 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 many people across our nation. And so um, I just want to stop and pray as we, as we remember that day. Remembering our history is important um, because the good, the bad, and the ugly, they help shape our nation into who we are in the same way that the good, the bad, and the ugly in our own lives and our personal lives shape who we are individually. And so remembering is important. So bow your heads with me. Let's pray for our nation, and then we'll get into our, our time together. Father, um, I do thank you for the great privilege it is to live in the country that I live in, that we live in. Father, I thank you for the fact that you are sovereign and good and in control. Uh, Father, I pray for the families of the people that lost loved ones that day, that God, I know that they still feel the effects of, of those losses. I pray, God, your spirit would bring comfort. I pray you would bring healing. Father, I pray against the evils um, of terrorists around the world and other people like them who would look to do such incredible harm to their fellow human beings. And God, I pray for our nation's leaders from President Biden all the way down to the local level community leaders, Father. I pray that they would be people that would glorify you. I pray they would be people that would love you and serve you out of that, 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 that they serve the community, Father. And Father, we just thank you that you are good and that you can always be trusted, Lord. And we ask this and we praise you for these things. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, we are continuing our Matthew series today. And in fact, today is significant because we're finishing the Matthew series today. Um, It's been a great series. It's been a long series, a little more than a year. Um, And today we're going to finish it. Next week, uh, we're actually going to start a new series. This series is going to be called uh, This We Believe. Uh, In a crazy world where it feels like almost everything's wrong right now, we need to anchor ourselves to something. And so the preaching team and the elder team, um, we feel like it's really, really important right now that we anchor ourselves to what are the core doctrines that we believe here at Grace Community Church. That's what this series is going to be all about. It's going to be kind of a mini-series. We'll take it all the way up to our Christmas series um, uh, this, later this winter. So that's, that's what's coming. Um, 
Last week, Jay had us in Matthew 26 teaching on the Lord's Supper, um, and we jumped forward, actually, to, to Matthew 26 because it was Communion Sunday, and that coincided well with the Lord's Supper. Today, we're jumping back to Matthew chapter 25, but before we get to that, we've got to go back to Matthew 24 to reset the stage. Are you guys confused? Are you, everybody's, yeah, we're good? All right, so remember with me, Matthew chapter 24, Gary Bashir's talked to us about the coming day of the Lord. And he talked to us about these four realities that we need to be mindful of um, really throughout the course of all of our lives. And the first one is to not be deceived. We need to not be deceived about what's going on. We need to stay calm. We need to stand firm to the end and we need to preach on. That's, that's what Gary said. That's true um, for our lives no matter what's going on in our lives. And um, if, you, if you wanted to summarize that into a summary statement, it would be this. It would be that we need to be about watchfully waiting. Those are the things we need to be doing while we are in this posture of watchfully waiting. And then Jay, uh, two weeks ago in Matthew 25, he taught us um, a couple of parables, the parable of the 10 virgins or the 10 bridesmaids, and also the parable of the bags of gold. There were two lessons from that par- or those parables. The first was to be prepared, and the second was to be productive as we wait, as we watchfully wait wait. And now this week, Jesus is going to finish chapter 25 with this, um, this tension inside the scripture. Um, and it's, it's tense because it is going to be absolutely the most unbelievably wonderful promise you could ever imagine for some. And it's also going to be the most horrifying and altogether terrifying warning for others. So that's where we're going today. Um, I'm gonna read it. Um, If you have your Bibles, open them up. Matthew 25 will be in verse 31 through the end of the chapter. I'll read it, I'll pray, and then we will get to work. So Matthew chapter 25, verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the sheep one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. Then they will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and didn't help you? And he will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of of these, you did not do for me. And then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. This is the word of God for us this morning. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that it's true. Thank you that you are good, and thank you that we can trust you. 
God, I pray now that, God, your spirit would flow freely in this place, that, God, people, uh, all of our hearts would be moved um, to move closer to you because of our time in the word together this morning. Father, help me to preach uh, your word well with accuracy. And, Father, I pray that, again, you would just make all of our hearts soft to what you want to do with us this morning. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so this morning we're talking about realities of life with Jesus. And the first one in this text is right at the beginning. It says, when the Son of Man comes, all the nations will be gathered and and he's going to be king. And so that's the first reality that I see here is that Jesus will come back as king over everything and everyone. This is the best news ever. Um, it's, It's the best news ever because it doesn't say Uh, he might be coming back. It doesn't say if he comes back. It says when he comes back. And sometimes for us in our day-to-day lives, it can feel like we're waiting forever for this to actually, for this to actually happen. And we're not the first ones to be waiting. Remember, God, through the prophets, he had quit speaking, and then for hundreds of years, the nation of Israel was waited, waiting for the trusted Messiah, the, the Messiah that was promised to become, or to come for, it, for him to actually show up. And then he eventually does, of course, he's born um, as an infant in a little tiny town. Um, and if you'll remember the Christmas story with me, it says that there are shepherds living out in the fields nearby. A little bit later, it says um, that there was this great company of heavenly hosts appearing with the angels, praising God and saying glory to God in the highest. That's exactly how it says here, Jesus is coming back the second time. There's gonna be angels coming with him. It's gonna be the most amazing thing that we have ever seen. Um, Jesus came as an infant, he grew up. He lived, he died, he rose, he sent his spirit for us that we could have help to live the way that he wants us to live. And now we find ourselves in this posture of waiting, just like the ancient peoples were. We're waiting. And so as we wait and as we experience the challenges of this world, and it can feel like the waiting is forever. And, and, and as the things come, the bad things come, we have plagues and disease and illness and wars and wickedness and wicked governments and evil people. We have broken relationships. We have broken homes. We have broken lives. We also have our own sin that we deal with still. And sometimes I think we can be like the psalmist and say, how long, Lord? How long is this gonna go on? The interesting thing is they were asking that even in Jesus' day, and God's answer for them is the same as it is for us. Look what he says in 2 Peter 3. Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Friends, God is not slow. He has not forgotten, he is patient, he is loving, he is kind, and he is merciful, and he wants everyone to come to to be in his family because he is the God of all people, and Jesus is coming back as king over everything and everyone. I love the fact that our church has um, multiple races, multiple different kinds of people, multiple languages represented across our church because that's a very small picture of what the, the kingdom of God is going to be like when we get to be in heaven with him one day. A very small picture. Because there, there's gonna be even more people, even more kinds of people from all over the world, from all across human history. And they're gonna be there loving and serving and worshiping the king together. It's gonna be absolutely amazing. 
I correspond with uh, one of our missionaries occasionally, Matt Mormans. Um, this guy's amazing. I don't really know him very well just because we email a little bit and that's about all the interaction I have. But I love to talk to him and get his emails because he tells me what's happening in their part of the world and it reminds me that, that, that God's kingdom isn't only Grace Community Church. It's not just Gresham. It's not just Portland or, or part of Oregon. It's the entire world. And God is doing something all over humanity. He is the king over everything and everyone. So we need to be doing what Jay and Gary taught us to do, and that is watchfully waiting. The second reality of life with Jesus is that salvation comes from God. Uh, Look at verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Salvation is the most wonderful gift that could ever be given to you. And it's given to us by God the Father, through his Son, by the power of his Spirit. But sometimes gifts can, they can fade in their significance to us because we're familiar with them. When I came on the elder team uh, almost 10 years ago now, we have a very special ceremony here when, a, when a, a, a man comes on the elder team. And um, if you haven't been here to see it, what happens is, is, is we have that person who, he, he's coming up to become an elder, and um, we have the rest of the elders gather around him, and, and he's presented with, I was presented with a white towel. Um, the towel represents the service to God, the service to his church. We are also presented with a wine goblet um, filled with wine, grape juice in this case, and we drink it, and when we do, we drink, we drink deeply of it because we want to drink deeply of the things that God has for us. It's a very special, serious, sacred ceremony that we do. And when I did that, I had this towel and this, this wine goblet. My wife took them, and she put them in this shadow box, and, and, and she put a scripture in there, a scripture about being an elder, about what that meant for our lives. And I have this shadow box. I put it, I put it right next to my bed. It's on my, my bedside table. Um, I see it every single day when I get into bed and when I get out of bed. But honestly, I know it's there. It is important to me. But sometimes it gets dusty. Sometimes I'll, you know, have something to drink before I go to bed and I'll set, like, my cup on it. I think our salvation can be like that. I think because of time and familiarity with it, we get so accustomed to it, we know it's there. We're aware of it all of the time. But we don't celebrate it. We don't enjoy it. We don't think about it. Friends, we need the gospel in our lives every single day. Verse 34, come you who are blessed by my Father. In Christ, we are blessed by God now and we will be blessed by him one day when we get to come into an inheritance um, that can never perish or spoil or or fade. The gospel is everything to us. It's everything to us. So friends, don't let time or your familiarity with the gospel and the gift of your salvation dull your love for the gift, but especially your love for the giver. Salvation is, comes from God. That's the second reality of life with Jesus. The third is this. How we live reveals whose we are. Verse 35, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. 
I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. You invited me in, you clothed me, you looked after me, you came to visit me. And then remember the people, um, the sheep, they say to the king, they said, when? when? When did we do those things? And Jesus says to this, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least brothers, least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Believers in Jesus, that is those loyal to the king, are compelled by the spirit to do good works of righteousness, especially to those who can't pay them back, and especially to those in the family of God. Right, it says those brothers and sisters of mine. The apostle Paul, in his letter to the Galatian church, says it this way, Galatians 6.10, therefore, As we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Listen, there is an expectation by the king to do something, to be productive with the lives that God has given us. There is an expectation by the king. And the reason why is because what we do, how we live, how we treat people is the proof of God's love and his spirit living inside of our hearts and lives. It's the evidence of it. It's the proof of it. And I love this about God, um, that God always, always, when he commands us, when he calls us, when he expects things of us, he is more than willing to do those things himself. I say that every time I preach, just like read your Bible, go read your Bible, okay? I don't have that as a main point today, but go read your Bible. It's a good thing to do. Um, But God, he's calling us to do just what he's done with us. God feeds, God gives, drink to, God saves, God brings help to, God encourages, God loves That's what God wants us to be about. That's the kind of people we should be. My wife and I have this friend, her name is Sue. And uh, Sue is a nurse, she's retired now. Um, I love nurses, because they're awesome. I'm a nurse, for those of you that don't know. Um, She now is retired, and she works now as a full-time volunteer um, at an elementary school that is right by her house. She works most weeks full-time at this elementary school, serving, loving, encouraging, feeding, helping. That's who Sue is. And the, one of the things that's amazing about Sue is she does this, it's just natural for her. She does it in the regular rhythms of her life. It's just who she is. And I love this about her. I love my friend Sue because she looks and acts like Jesus. Does that, does that describe your life? In the normal rhythms of your life? where you see somebody, especially those inside the family of God, but also those outside of the family of God, somebody that needs something to eat, do you feed them? Somebody that needs something to drink, do you give them something to drink? Somebody that needs encouragement, do you just stop and maybe have a conversation with them, interrupt your, your probably truly busy day, busy schedule? That's the kind of people we should be. I know that it's true in many of your lives because I know many of you personally. And that's kind of who you are, Grace Community Church. I love that about us. I love that about you. Because when we do those things, it is revealing whose we are and who we we belong to. It's wonderful. Now, a couple of warnings here. The first is in verse 32. It says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, he's bringing his angels, he's gonna be on his glorious throne, and all the nations are there, and he's gonna to have to separate the sheep one from another as a, as, a shepherd se- as a shepherd separates sheep from goats. Listen, the sheep and the goats are mixed together. They're all, they're all mixed up. And so as a result, they have to be separated out. Um, what that means is, in, in for our lives, we live as sheep with goats, right? So we're with goats all the time. 
because that's, that's just how life is. In fact, all of us that are sheep used to be goats ourselves. And so sometimes there is this remnant of, of our sin nature that's still inside of our hearts and lives in pockets and places. Sometimes there's pieces of the old person that we used to be, the old goaty kind of person that we used to be before we were in Christ, and sometimes because we're around that kind of behavior, it can rub off on us, it can have an influence on us, and we can start to act like our old, like our old selves, and so even though we follow Jesus, there's parts of our hearts and parts of our lives that remain sinful, especially if we are not careful to be honest about those and evaluate those and look for those intentionally. My family and I are in the middle of a remodel. We're remodeling our kitchen. It's been a great project. Um, it's almost done, I hope. Uh, but one of the days that we were working on this project, early in the project, um, I had a couple of buddies over, a couple of my best friends. Uh, it's important that I say that because it, when, what I'm about to tell you will reveal the kind of men that these are. Um, these, these guys are over at my house and we are uh, demoing, demoing the kitchen, and it comes to the part where we have to like pull out the cabinets and stuff by the, by the stove. Now, the people that installed my range, my, my stove, um, they put like a ridiculously short like supply line on it. So we could literally only pull it up like two or three inches away from the wall, that was it. So that's important, okay? Um, so we're, we're demoing the cabinets, we get the cabinet next to the stove ready to come off, we pull it away from the wall, you would not believe the horror that I saw. It looked like somebody had taken like a bottle of Prego spaghetti sauce and like a pudding cup and a chinchilla and threw them in a blender and splattered it against the side of my stove, hair and all, everything. It was, it was horrifying. Now, I'm embarrassed, my, my friends are laughing at me. They're taking pictures and sending them to their family to like, look how disgusting this is. I think somebody threw up a little bit. It was, it was awful. Now, the crazy thing is, I'm a, like, I'm a really clean person. I thought my kitchen was clean. But there was parts of my kitchen, because I couldn't and didn't look at them, that were filthy. Our lives can be like that. Our lives can be like that. Um, sometimes if we don't intentionally spend time looking at our hearts and our lives, at all of them, they can end up filthy. They can end up looking like a Jackson Pollock painting on the side of my, my stove. You guys know Jackson Pollock? Here's one of his masterpieces, <laughs> okay? Uh, he was known for just splattering paint all over, all over the canvas, all right? So listen, we need to be careful we need to, to recognize that even though we might be mostly clean, there could be parts of our hearts that even though we're loyal to King Jesus, they're filthy still. And so we need to be a people that are all about loving and serving um, Jesus by obeying his commands, all of them, all of them. He says in, in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. A little bit later in John 14, he says this, uh, verse 23, Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to, make them, or come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words, uh, I, I messed that up. Let me try again. Verse 24, anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to my Father who sent me. Church, evaluate your heart. Evaluate your life. Pray a bold prayer that the psalmist prayed and say, and say God, search me. See if there's any unclean way in me. 
See if there's anything about my life that I'm not obeying you, that I'm not loving you, that I'm not serving you, that I'm not doing um, for you in the way that you want me to do it, Lord. Help me to see those things. And friends, listen, if you find them, be encouraged, don't be freaked out, because there is a King of Kings and a Lord of Lords who lived and died and rose for that sin too, all right? Don't leave it in the dark, sin grows in the dark. Drag it into the light, kill that sin, because that's what needs to happen to the sin in our lives. Ask a brother or sister in Christ to help you, ask the Spirit of God to help you, because that is how we then live in obedience to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We need to be careful, that's the first warning. The second warning um, is this, and it's heavy. There will be judgment. There will be. Verse 41, then he, that's the king, will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. And he's gonna say, for I was hungry and you didn't feed me. You didn't give me anything to drink. You didn't visit me. You didn't do any of these things. And then they're gonna answer, Lord, when didn't we? When? And he is gonna say to them, whenever you didn't do one of these things for the least of these of mine, you also didn't do it for me. And then he's gonna say these horribly sobering words. He's gonna say this, then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Listen, some of you here in the room and some of you at home listening to this as you sit here today, are outside of the kingdom of God. And the reality is, is if you meet Jesus right at this moment, if this was the moment that your heart quit beating, what you would have to look forward to is judgment and hell. And the scariest part for me is, is that that might be true of some of you, and you might even think you're inside the kingdom of God. But the kingdom of God, being in the kingdom of God requires more than a mental assent that God is there or that he can even save. The demon and Satan, the demons and Satan himself knows that. It requires more than a prayer uttered at some point in your life or, or a decision card wrote out and then you forgot about that decision and you forgot about that decision card and nothing about your life changed. It requires more than that because the way we live reveals whose we are. So the things that you applaud, that, that reveals whose you are. The things that you value, that reveals whose you are. And so if the things that you applaud, the things that you value, the things that you go along with are what the world says is good and they're contrary to God's word and God's ways, then you're revealing that you are not in the kingdom of God. I meet people Sometimes, and, and as the conversation turns toward things of, of spirituality, uh, I'll meet people that say, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a Christian, but, and then they've got a bunch of qualifiers after it. Listen, following Jesus does not come with qualifiers. You're either in or you're out. The qualifiers won't work now, and they certainly won't work then on the day of judgment. It's common in our culture for so many people to believe in heaven and they might believe in hell, but if they do, only bad people like terrorists and, and really awful criminals go to hell. But that's it, everybody else gets to go to heaven. This also is a lie. It's not true. It's not true. 
And so I wanna talk real quickly about three things about judgment. The first is this, judgment is real. We've kind of already said that. A couple of scriptures here. 2 Corinthians 5.10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Paul, in the uh, book of Acts, he's at this place in um, Athens called the Areopagus, and it is a place where basically all of the people would gather like an amphitheater, and they would talk about the latest things of the day, the latest ideas, philosophers, theologians, that sort of thing. So Paul's teaching there once, and he's teaching about the Lord. He says this, for he, that's God, has set a day when he, that's Jesus, will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed, again, Jesus. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him, again, Jesus, from the dead. And then Jesus himself says in Matthew 10, 28, do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both body and soul in hell. Judgment is real. The second reality of judgment is that there are levels of judgment. Take a look at what what it says in Matthew 11. It says, then Jesus began to denounce the towns in which most of his miracles had been performed because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. And for you, Capernaum, will you be lifted to the heavens? No, you will go down to Hades. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Sodom, it would have remained to this day. But I tell you that it will be more bearable for Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. There are levels of judgment that people will face. It will be more bearable for some than for others. So what exactly will hell be like? Listen, I actually don't know exactly, and the fact is, I don't wanna know. Verse 41 says that there is an eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. That's who it's prepared for, and if you align yourselves with them, that's where you will go, is with them. Jesus says you are either for him or against him. There's no in-between, and so I implore you to do what Paul wrote to the church at Corinth 2 Corinthians 13, 5, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. Judgment is real. There will be levels of judgment. And the last thing about judgment is this, and I want you to hear this very, very carefully. Hear me well now. It's the reality that God's judgment is always, always, always preceded by grace. Jay teaches us this all the time, and it's true. It's true today. The Bible says that God's kindness leads us to repentance, and so if you are hearing this today and you are outside of the kingdom of God, it's God's grace to you because you've been given a warning. You know now. You know now, and and, and, and that is grace to you. The grace is, please repent. One of my favorite verses in all of Scripture, 1 John 1, 9, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and will purify us from all unrighteousness. We looked at earlier that God desires that that everybody would be saved. God wants you and his family. If you are outside the kingdom of God, listen, you currently, as you sit, sit under judgment. You sit under condemnation, but you don't have to stay there. Because God is a God of grace, he is a God of mercy, he is a God of love, and he wants to bring you into his family. It's why he sent his son to live a a, a perfect, sinless life, to to die a horrible, awful, terrible death. But then he rose again three days later. It's what we celebrate at Easter. 
And then Jesus, he sent his beautiful spirit to, to, to earth to, to dwell inside of the hearts and lives of those who would follow, those who would love, those, those who would serve. And that offer is for you right now. God wants you in his family. Heavy, heavy scriptures this morning. I'll invite the worship team up at this point. I just wanna end a couple of statements and then a couple of questions. Number one, Jesus is coming back and he's coming back as king over everything and everyone. He already is king, but that day everyone will know that he is king. It's a wonderful promise. Jesus is bringing with him salvation and, and, and an incredible gift of inheritance for those who love him and follow him and serve him, and how we live reveals whose we are. So, is Jesus king of your life right now? If he is, will you spend the next moments just praising him and thanking him for all that he has saved you from, for all that he has saved you to, for the incredible family of God that he's given you? Will you just spend some time thanking him? If the answer is no, will you, will you please choose to follow him? All, all it takes is acknowledging that, that the things that you've done in your life are rejecting God. You're sinning and that's separating you from God. You're doing things that, that are not consistent with God's word and his ways. And then all you have to do is acknowledge that and ask him, Jesus, save me. Come into my life. Receive what he's done for you. And then begin to live a new life, a changed life. If that's you this morning, tell somebody. Tell the people that you came with, come talk to me, come talk to anybody with, with, a, with a name tag on here. Then a couple of questions. Is there any part of your life where there is still a little bit goaty? Are there parts of your life where sin remains? Maybe parts you haven't chosen to look at for a long time, honestly? We ask the Spirit to help you right now. Will you ask him to forgive you? We ask for his help to kill those sins in your life. And then finally, what are you doing as you watchfully wait. Are you prepared? Are you productive? Are you loving, serving, feeding, helping, encouraging? Are you letting the proof of God's love in you be on display for all of the people around you? Let's do that again, you know? That was great. Uh, listen, I want to leave us with the, the last recorded words of, of Jesus in the book of Matthew. Um, Jesus says this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Think about that. He's king over everything and every one. All authority has been given to me. Therefore, and here comes the commandment, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Listen, we're having baptisms next week. If you are a follower of Jesus, maybe today for the first time and you have never been baptized, come next week and get baptized. Get baptized. That's the commandment of our King. We wanna be like Jesus. He says this next, teach them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That Jesus is with us now in his spirit. One day he's coming back for us as our king and we can celebrate, we can look forward to that, we can bank our lives on that. 
So go change the world. I love you, Grace. Have a great week. Thank you for joining us for Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church here in Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net.